All right, welcome to Sidebar. I'm very excited today because- Sidebar's back. We got too serious for two weeks in a row and I was starting to get the- starting to get the shakes without my without my sidebar <laughs> we did and you know i think the probably the two best people to do a wacky sidebar are you and me andy so we're back i'm very excited because folks it's the laura and andy show today we are <laughs> we have been let loose we are unhinged <laughs> the two most unhinged hosts of fine laws don't judge me and we uh we've got a wild story to talk about today <laughs> uh, we have the makings of another true crime podcast empire i think with this yes case. do we not absolutely yeah i i'm i i know several podcasts have covered this recently that i listen to and i believe at least one has started up that is just focused on the family that we're talking about today so to kind of give you an idea of just how how crazy this story could get I don't know how much time we have to cover all of this since it's sidebar. Three hours. Uh, three hours. Fantastic. It's just you and me just going to go crazy. Um, so today we're talking about a fatal boat crash, a deadly fall, a grisly double murder, and millions of dollars in stolen funds. And it's all connected to one family, one prominent family in South Carolina. Don't forget fake murder. Oh, I forgot about the fake murder. See, this is what happens. When a John Grisham novel comes to life. So we're talking, if you haven't figured it out already, we're talking about the Murdaugh family today. A family that is deeply entrenched in the local legal system in the southern portion of South Carolina. Like there are literally oil paintings of the men of this family in courthouses in the lowland counties. Their eyes follow you through the courthouse. <laughs> I can't confirm that, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, this is a very prominent family when it comes to the legal system in the in the area. Three generations of Murdaws worked as solicitors for the 14th Judicial District, which oversees the prosecutors for five counties. So essentially, this family controlled the local prosecutor's office for about 87 years. Wow. <laughs> And they also have... Do not make that family angry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, one could say. <laughs> they also... There's a chance they're a litigious bunch, so we got to watch ourselves here. Um, they also have a prominent regional law firm with offices in three different counties. And, you know, I've always been kind of fascinated by these families that are just chock full of lawyers because I'm the first lawyer in my family. And so I... I just I I can't even imagine what that's like. <laughs> Laura, if you if if you are to have a child in the future, would you want <laughs> said, would you want said child to be a lawyer? You say, "Mom, I want to be a lawyer." Would you say, "What are you nuts?" <laughs> I I think I would say the same thing that I say to everyone else who asks me, "Should I go to law school?" I tell people, "Sure, but be sure that you want it." Because it is a very, very tough, expensive process. And um, yeah, you have to you have to really want it. So I guess that would be my answer. But I would probably start with what are you nuts? <laughs> I'm always kind of suspicious about kids who go into the family business. I'll just say that out. I'll get that out there. I'll throw that out there. I don't care. I, come at me, everyone. Yeah, it's just a it's a foreign concept to me because, yeah, I, I don't come from a family that has even just outside of of lawyering you know there's no family business 
I'll tell you why, too. It's because I'm going to out myself here, too. It's because I know that if there was a family business like in the Leonetti's, you know, I would want I my first instinct would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work in that company. Easy. Mm-hmm. I don't have to job yeah. hunt. <laughs> Uh, right, right. Like you, you, yeah. We all know because, and so, like, I don't think it's wrong of me to. I don't think it's wrong of me to suspect that other people working in family businesses also view it that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't. I mean, yeah, it, it is interesting because in my family we have we do there's no other lawyers, but we do have a dentist, an optometrist, and a professional engineer. So, I guess if we got shipwrecked, I would be the most useless. Um. <laughs> oh, I definitely would be too. <laughs> I mean, I've been known to Jerry rig some stuff, so I could maybe tap into the the long line of engineers in my family, but um so yeah, that's something to kind of keep in mind as we go through this story is that this is a family that has wielded a lot of influence in this community for a very very long time. So the reason that this family is currently in the headlines is because Alex Murdaugh, the patriarch of the family, on September 4th was, at least at the time, allegedly shot by a random unidentified shooter as he tried to change a flat tire on the side of the road. Police later identified this shooter as Curtis Edward Smith, who was a former client of Murdaugh's. That person has been charged with assisted suicide, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and other charges. Because a few days later, Murdaugh went to the police and said, you know what, everything I said on that 911 call was not true. And I asked this person to try to kill me. And and somehow that's not even, I well, that's not even the most wild part of this story. And that's what... Well, the weird thing, the weird thing for me, like I, I looked this up in the South Carolina code and their, their assisted suicide law does, does cover just attempting to, to, to help someone commit suicide. So two days after the shooting, Murdaugh resigned from his law firm stating that he was entering rehab for opioid addiction, but the following day. Uh, PM, PED, as they're known in the area, released a statement that they had discovered Alex had misappropriated funds from the firm. And by Wednesday, September 8th, the South Carolina Supreme Court had had suspended Alex's license to practice law. So as we've already kind of spoiled, his story about the shooting very quickly fell apart. And it became clear that he had enlisted the help of this former client, which is a whole other level of um, things that you shouldn't do as an attorney, because, you know, you're, you're in a position of power and I can't say exactly how this transaction went down, but you know, attorneys hold a position of authority and there's certain things that you're not supposed to do to sort of unduly influence people, especially your clients. And I feel like, going to a former client and saying, Hey, will you help me commit insurance fraud? Seems like a bit of an abuse of power. So there is that, but the whole, (laughs) I just had to throw that out there. I'm laughing. I just have to add here that I'm laughing while you're describing this because I'm already, I'm thinking about Alex Murdaugh's lawyer and how, (laughs) and how awesome he is in all of this. Yes. His his lawyer is State Senator Dick Harputlian, 
who has one of again one of my favorite names I have ever heard. Guy has guy life. guy is I will note as a former reporter too. Dick Harpootlian is a big wig in South Carolina Democratic Democratic Party politics. He used to be mm-hmm. he used to be chair of the state party, um, and he's just he's a very colorful personality as well. He's yeah. he's an interesting guy. Has had a long life in politics. And now he is representing this guy, uh, just kind yeah. of showing how these, you know, these well-connected communities mm-hmm. work. And I just wanted to read a quote about the about the the fake the fake murder slash assisted yeah. suicide uh, that Dick Harputlian said in a Today Show interview last week. He said mm-hmm. when when Alex Murdoch came forward, they came forward and everything. Uh, Dick Harputlian said. He didn't want law enforcement spending more time on this fake crime. Oof. <laughs> didn't he also say the guy's lawyer? The guy's <laughs> lawyer went on national TV. It was just like, yeah, my client committed a fake crime. Yeah. Well, and I think there was a diff. I don't know if it was that interview or a different one where he said something to the effect of, I'm confident that he will be charged with something. Yeah. And I was just sitting there like, uh, do you think? Boy, with friends um, like these. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and, and underneath all of this, something to... Well, first of all, it seems that the reason he concocted this plot was to ensure that his son Buster could collect this $10 million life insurance policy that he currently holds for himself. Now, as macabre as that is, and apparently the the belief that he had that suicide would have precluded Buster from collecting on that life insurance policy turned out to be false. So yeah, I love that. There is lawyer, that aspect his lawyer, of it. Like his, this guy is a lawyer, Dick Harpootly, and, and again mis- says my my client <laughs> is an idiot and doesn't know how to so, read an insurance policy. Yeah, so that that part is odd, but at the same time. I think it's very clear that this is a person who is clearly in distress Yes. because um, just three months ago, his wife Maggie and his other son Paul were murdered at the family's estate in Islandton. And I mean, it was, it, it was brutal. They both were shot multiple times and that crime has not been solved yet. And so that's sort of another thing running in the background or not even really in the background of all this, is that that investigation is now bringing to light all of these other things that are connected to this family. I will also note again, I would like to point out that Dick Harputlian did adamantly say that his client, Alex Murda, did not commit those murders. Yes. He did not... He did not uh, <laughs> he didn't throw him under the bus for that. Yet, he did not anyway. throw him under the bus for that. But he did note... But he did. His lawyer did note that uh, part of the reason why he did come forward and admit to failing to commit suicide and making it look like a murder in the attempt to get the insurance money for his son was the reason he came forward and confessed was that he did what he wanted police to be able to turn their focus entirely mm-hmm. to investigating the murders of two of his immediate family members. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then another interesting thing in all this is that at the time of that incident, um, his son Paul, who I believe was 22, uh, was awaiting trial 
on charges relating to a boat accident from 2019 where a girl named Mallory Beach was killed. Oof. And so, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why people are sort of becoming so fascinated with this story is that it all just kind of keeps spinning out into these other incidents in the community. Because this 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 one involved what some witnesses have described as a drunken bo- a drunken boating accident, correct? Yes. Yeah. There. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence um, that these kids were drinking. They were all, I think, 19 at the time. And that there was an attempt to make it seem like someone not with the last name Murdaugh was driving the boat at the time right. and stuff. Correct. Yeah. So three. So I think there were five or six. 19, 20 year old kids on this boat and always a good idea. Right. Yeah. Just drunk on a boat. It's, Oh my gosh. You know, I, uh, if there's one piece of advice I can give people is just don't get drunk and drive a boat. You're going to run into something. I don't get like you're, you're either going to hit another boat or a person or I'm, I'm on a soapbox here, but just, just don't do it. It's not hard. So three of these kids told investigators that Paul Murdaugh was driving the boat at the time that they crashed into this pylon. One said that someone else was driving. However, there have been, there have been some other kind of either rumors or, um, people giving depositions in other cases later on, um, saying that that was not true and that they had been told to kind of keep their mouths shut or, or to, point people in the wrong direction so that later when they did tell the truth, someone could be like, well, are you lying then? Are you lying now? And so there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of muddy water in that case. Anytime a spoiled rich kid is involved. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's a mess when anybody screws up like this, but yeah, when, when a, when someone from a family like this, that is so well connected. Yeah. It's never gonna, things are never going to go exactly the way they're supposed to when it comes to yeah oh and so don't forget laura as we're like building out the uh the tree here is that also now what has been reopened is an investigation into the 2018 death of of 57 year old gloria satterfield who was the murdoch family housekeeper for more than 20 years before she died in what was described as at the time as a trip and fall accident at the Murdaugh home. Law enforcement has announced that that case is now also being reopened and reinvestigated. Yeah, it's it. And, you know, I've it's hard to say because all of this since the investigation is ongoing, a lot of the inform there's not a lot of information available and what there is is heavily redacted from what i've seen mm-hmm. but i it seems as though investigators looking into what is clearly the murder of maggie and paul murdaugh they must have they found something either in that house or yes. relating to that investigation that has led to the reopening of three different investigations we have mallory beach the girl who was thrown from the boat Gloria Satterfield, the housekeeper, and then also a 19-year-old nursing student named Stephen Smith. Another one. Who, yeah, who was found dead in 2015. And that one, oh, man. I mean, I could talk for a long time about Stephen Smith and and 
how the investigation of his death makes absolutely no sense. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I only um, I was just only I was only doing research on on Stephen Smith in the context of of the Murdoch case. And so all I've been finding with them announcing that this case is reopening, that they're being extremely tight lipped on mm-hmm. any information on as to why they are reopening this one as well. Yeah. Yeah. The why has not come out. Um, what I do know um, from, yeah, from my research and some other uh, podcasts that have covered this is you so love he, that he, po- true crime podcast. Now research involves listening to other true crime podcasts. <laughs> Best day of my life, dear <laughs> listeners. Um, yeah. So, so Stephen Smith was found on the side of a road about eight miles from the Murdaugh estate. And it's, it's really odd because there's incident reports noting that he had, you know, numerous injuries, including like a dislocated shoulder and what at the time was described as a projectile wound on his head. But then later on, the official conclusion was that he ran out of gas and decided to walk home and then was sideswiped by a truck. However, there was no vehicle debris. There's no skid marks. And the medical examiner ruled his cause of death undetermined. And so, yeah, the whole thing is very strange. And, you know, his his poor mother has been trying to get this case reopened for six years now because it just doesn't add up. And so I hope that now that things are being reopened, that she can finally get some um, a resolution to this. In the meantime, I guess we should note in all of this that Alex Murdaugh has the presumption of innocence. That yes, that is true. And the right to an attorney. Mm-hmm. Especially a co- a colorful, well connect- <laughs> well-connected politician attorney. Yes, that yeah, that is absolutely true. I'm 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 not going to sit here and say that this person did or didn't do anything, you know, related to any of these deaths. The thing that he has admitted to is the insurance fraud and the the you know conspiracy to yeah, commit have someone su- commit else. suicide. Yeah. yeah, which is a weird phrase. I, I you saw me as I tried to say it. I was conspiracy like, conspiracy to commit suicide. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that is something important to to keep in mind is that a lot of this stuff is speculation, but I do think it's safe to say that it's probably a good thing that these investigations were reopened and hopefully. Hopefully they can come to some kind of conclusion. And hopefully for our sake, we can have some sort of true crime follow-up in the future. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know how much I love doing doing true crime on this show. So thanks for listening to Sidebar from Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. We'll be releasing these every other week between our full-length episodes. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover, send us an email at finelawpodcasts at thomsonreuters.com. 